FMX Network Production. You cast me, I'll complete me till death do all part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp Mech Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmex.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Happy 100th Pulp MX show. Slow clap. Slow clap. I've dealt with a lot of shit yeah, over what, the years. What? You brought the other kid. The guy who ever sends the meat? Yeah, my dear friend Nick. Did you do tits the first time? Yes, I did tits. Yeah. Red boot. You know Dilla. Melba. Melba. Well, I, mean, well, I don't I know. In the past, it's been obnoxious. Yeah. It's been stupid. What are we, Neanderthals? He can put it where he wants to. All we right. used to like Lars a lot, too. We're out on Lars now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm out. Well, we're going to talk about Lars Brothers? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's the switch. When he puts a helmet on, I, I'm scared to ride him. <laughs> You're a good friend of mine. Yeah. He is going to kick your ass <laughs> at Loretta's. Dude, you let Kiefer beat you? <laughs> Checked <laughs> up. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Styles. I'm going to say something super weird. I hid behind that van for 10 minutes. I would do unspeakable things to make it happen. Hey, Will. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Are you taking a crap right now somewhere? Oh, yeah. No, is it weird now again? No, now you're fine. You're in the bathroom for like a couple minutes. So I'm like. <laughs> That's awkward. But <laughs> He's like Bilbo Baggins. He's from like, The Hobbit. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yar Yar got the only person that laughed about that joke. Dude, if you know what gear you're in, you're going too slow. <laughs> you're like, I don't ride like that. I just like 100% gas and then 100% yeah. brake. Right. And you'll hear it from him too when it's, if it's dragging butt. Sunday night pulp show. What is going on? Rascal Flats in town? Sheena Easton is is in town. Like, listen, I may, it's Sunday. It's Fourth of July weekend. I may have been drinking a little bit. Okay. okay. He sounds looser tonight. Yeah, he does. He does sound a little looser. Web, or hold Saxon. on. Not Web. I'll take Web. Really? He's racing GNCCs. <laughs> he may be at some sort of beach race. Have you told Freddie that he should get on the back of a bike and have somebody wheelie him off the back? No, but that's a great point. I should that's get a good it. idea. Right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, Thanks for nothing, Moser. I'm not there. I don't give a fuck. You don't understand these people out in the world. I don't know if you're an idiot. Hey, why do I come home from driving in traffic and yell at Heather? It's not the fucking bike. It's not the fucking bike. You're, you're super ripped, and the teams don't give a shit. And how do I know that? Because I was on a team, and I didn't give a shit. I sprayed spectators on purpose. If I pick you, you're going to have a horrible day. Pulp Mech and Racer X were great stepping stones to the next big thing. I'm still bummed out because I would rather have him with us. I've heard his wrap-up show. He's stellar. And I appreciate you building the Moto X Pod show out. It works great. You're welcome. Let's yeah, later. Back in studio, man. I want to be back. Well, just at. See, now. You can't play both sides. Maybe go and do the Monday Night Vital show. First of all, fuck you. What are the assholes saying in YouTube chat right now about this? You can 
literally control the pitchforks and the torches. There's just so much hatred towards me and my riding. It's a uh, smoky and spicy, yes. which is kind of like Pookie. You yeah. put cheese on dog shit and I will like it. I wish I was a woman so I could feel a dick inside of me. Yeah. You ever wonder that? No. I've been a dude for 46 years. Want some dick? <laughs> Bigger doesn't always mean better. Right. Heather wanted to bone me <laughs> with a strap on. Not in the butt. Ball. So I said, no, thank you. But I want to have a vagina and feel it. Welcome back. It's time for another Pulp Mix wrap-up show. Guys, we had a week off. Then Steve moves the show to Sunday so he can show his love for America's birthday. Then they had all kinds of technical issues that I want to make fun of them for here in a little bit. But eventually, they got the show done. And we're here to wrap it up, just like your dad told you to. But first, let me introduce my guest. First up, he's part owner of Our Jerky, and he is a badass privateer. And he's brought to you by Guts Racing tonight. It's my boy, RJ Wageman. What What's up? happening? Not much, How man. How are we doing? We're doing good. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited to have you and our other guest, who is one of your buddies. We've been not, have not announced yet, so we're gonna keep it a secret for just a second. But I feel like last time you two were on the show, it was a lot of fun, really good. So this is gonna be a good night. Yeah, I'm stoked to be back. Thanks for calling. Uh, I got my art jerky T-shirt on now. Just had a bag of Western. I'm fired up for the show. So should be fun. I'm excited to talk some moto, man. It's been a while. I've been on the couch, so. Should be a good time. Dude, I need to get one of those R Jerky shirts. I don't have one of those. Gotta make that happen. They are limited edition. We did a small <laughs> run of them, but uh, we can make some things happen. Some we'll things figure it happen out. to uh, get you looking good, yes. We'll figure it out. Well, next up, he's another badass privateer, and this is his second time on the show as a co-host. He's brought to you by Seal Savers Night, Vin Murphy. What's up, Vin? What's going on? Yeah, pumped to be back. I mean... Nothing better than just shooting it with the boys talking about some moto. So, yeah, uh, I, I appreciate you having me on. And big shout out to you for making that leap full time, full time media guy now. So loving I, it. I appreciate that. We will touch on that at the towards the end. And the fact that these uh, wrap up shows might be winding down a little bit unless I, I got a text from Steve a little while ago, him and Chris in a group text where there, somebody reached out about trying to take it over and doing a better job. And I feel like Steve was trying to get in my head. And it might have worked just a little bit, but we're going to try to push through and make this the best wrap-up show of all time. So this week, we're talking about episode 510 with Chris Kiefer back in studio for his 100th show. And on the phone, they had Styles Robertson, Will Hahn, Ricky Gilmore, Marshall Welton, Goldie, and even JoJo Keller called in. First of all, RJ, you do you even know who JoJo Keller is, the legend that is JoJo? I don't. I can't even lie. I mean, I feel like that's, it's got to be, his era has got to be kind of close to my dad. So I should probably yeah. have asked him questions about that. But uh, no, I don't. Yeah, you and Vin are a little young for that era. Vin, you, did, had you ever heard of JoJo? Of course. I mean, Northeast okay. boy, right? Yeah, yeah. You know your history. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, Northeast runs a little thin up here with guys coming out. I mean, we've had a few, but when a big guy like that or a big name comes out like that, uh, whether how far back it was, we know who they are. Nice. Well, all the guests I mentioned for the show that called in and Kiefer, I guess, but of the call-ins, Ben, who was your favorite of the night? Um, my favorite, I think, was I want to say Styles, just because we've I've seen him a bunch, like on Dino's vlogs and stuff like that, but I never got to really hear him, you know, dive into a, a real interview with Steve. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Has he ever been on before? Yeah, I believe so. I, I know for sure he's been on a couple other podcasts that we're not going to name tonight, but clearly you don't listen to those. So that's all right. Go ahead. Continue. 
but no, I thought he was great. He was he was super open about what was going on. Yeah. Um, and obviously he had a really big injury a couple months ago, and it's it's cool to see him start progressing. And you have to think that he hasn't had much time off since he came back a few months ago. So I was thinking that you know maybe this weekend off they had last week maybe you know re-energized him for the weekend he had this weekend. Yeah, you're probably right, and he's he's really growing as a guest. RJ, like every time I hear him on a podcast, I feel like he gets better. He feels he seems to be really comfortable. But for you, RJ, who who was your favorite of the night? Was it also Styles? Yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed hearing what Styles had to say, and I think I said this last time as well. I mean, I just enjoy getting a little bit of background um, from these guys and hearing them open up a little bit. So that was really cool. I also liked uh, Gilmore and and listening to you know, some of the techie things that go on behind the scenes. I'm kind of like that, uh, as you know, have the similar thoughts, I guess you would say keeper has having a little bit of a testing background. So that was cool. And, uh, yeah, I just enjoy to hear what goes on behind the scenes and, um, you know, hear about what I probably won't ever get a chance to ride in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I I find that really interesting because anytime when Gilmore was on before or some other guys that are similar to him, like the techie stuff is not really my favorite thing, but I saw a lot of people on Twitter and on Instagram and whatnot saying, Hey, I, they love Ricky Gilmore. Like they love that stuff. Like Chris does. So obviously there's different tastes, right? And Ricky filled that spot for a lot of people. And we don't get a ton of that really breaking down the technical side, like a tester such as Chris would like. So yeah, Ricky did a great job of that. It's definitely not my favorite part of these shows is the technical side. I like the stories and the behind the scenes, just, you know, off the track stuff, even just all the, just the stuff that we don't see on TV. I like all that stuff, but, uh, the show was on Sunday. Here's my other question for you guys. I loved it being on Sunday. It made like way easier to prep for this wrap up. I had way more time. You know, I just, I wasn't, I hadn't worked all day Saturday or Monday. So I really, really enjoyed it. It was pretty funny to me when JT was on. He's like, why'd you guys move the show? Was it like a, he said, Sheena Easton concert or, or uh, Rascal Flats? Like, obviously, JT had been drinking a little bit there. RJ kind of loosened up. But did you like the show on Sunday? Or did you even listen on Sunday? Well, yeah, so that's kind of the issue for me. I feel like it, you know, it wouldn't really matter Sunday or Monday for me. I would say 90% of the time I have to listen to either the beginning half or the very end the following, you know, day or two later, um, it starts, you know, at 5 PM. So for me being out here in Cali, it's hard to catch the beginning. Usually I catch kind of that middle meat part of the show. But, um, as far as for this week, we're kind of just hanging out all weekend in the pool. Hmm. I listened to it, uh, yesterday. um, I was just working on bikes in the garage and stuff like that. So, um, I guess for me, it doesn't fully matter. It's, I don't listen to the show. I would say live very often okay that's that's a fair point Vin. you're east coast so the show probably typically starts at eight o'clock for you but was the sun did the sunday show make a difference for you no it didn't make much of a difference um it's pretty much the same as as a monday show i yeah i usually typically try to watch you know the first two or three hours of it uh live before i you know head to bed you know to get ready for work in the morning but i always like watching it live for some reason i don't know why it gives me such a different feel when I, I get to watch it uh, while they're in there and I get to watch it on camera, which I think is the coolest part about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like, it's almost like watching first take every morning, you know, on ESPN, <laughs> just being able to see their facial expressions and all that. But 
Yeah, no, I thought it was it was cool to be on Sunday. Uh, luckily, I wasn't doing much, so I sat down and watched probably the first three hours before before I shut it off, and then I finished up uh, the last two hours yesterday as well. So, yeah, that sounds about right for probably most people. I guess when I think about it, because I am doing the wrap up stuff and taking all the notes, having that extra day, it benefited me probably a lot more than it does most people. Uh, I enjoyed it. I know it's it's not going to stay that way, but it was good for one week to have an extra day. Let's start with their general discussion early on the show on Eli and Chase Sexton and the championship thoughts. A 14-point lead going in for Chase Sexton. Yep. Now it's eight. Eight, okay. How worried are you if you're Chase Sexton right now? I mean, Eli's – first of all, the one weakness Eli has is starts. Yeah. Got him this weekend. Right. Right out front. Was right behind Kenny in that second moto. Didn't look like he was worried at all. Yeah. He was just – and he told me that after the race. He's like, yeah, no, I was just – Staying out of the roost, he said, until yeah. I was ready. If I'm Chase, obviously I'm a little worried because you know Eli can just, he's a closer. He can totally do that. So he can match your speed. Uh, I feel like he's a little bit smarter this year. I think he's more comfortable with his bike. Uh, just like you said, I watched the race, uh, the moto actually a couple times, and he could have stuffed it in on Kenny yeah. two or three times, yeah. and he backed it out. So I think he knows the ride, each rider that he's dealing with and what the weaknesses are. Saxon didn't get his starts. And still went 2-2. When he went down after hitting Anderson in the second moto, you know, Anderson went down. Yep. And it was like a rocket was attached to his back, the way he got by Dunge and Roxon and Barsha. Like, he had to go, and he did it. And, yes, he lost points this weekend, but I'm also impressed with Sexton in that when your competition is on yep. and there's not much you can do, get your 2-2. Look, I'm not out on Chase. All I'm saying is Eli's done it before. He yep. knows what to do. Yeah. I think if someone can match Eli's raw speed, if Eli just says, hey, I'm going to go 100%, Chase can match Eli's raw speed. I just don't know when he go deep into these rounds if he's able to keep it all together. If Eli keeps getting these starts, it's over. Vin, I feel like Steve doesn't have the same faith in Chase that Chris does. Where do you stand on this? Because I know where I, what I feel, but I want to see what you think. Uh, if you kind of agree with one or the other or somewhere in the middle. Yeah, so where I'm at is like with his track record, I'm super worried. Like I think right now, round five, round six, he can settle down, take his two two. But I'm afraid when we get to, you know, rounds eight, nine, ten, if Eli is getting starts, I'm so afraid that Chase is gonna ride a little bit over that edge. And with his track record, obviously he he tends to hit the ground when he likes to push that limit. So I'm not fully on board i mean i would love to be because i i'm not gonna lie i have a little bit of money on chase oh okay um, to pull this out but uh i i will have to say if if eli gets starts you know in the latter legs of these rounds um i'm afraid that chase is really going to try to push that limit and he might just let one slip away but we'll see i think i think he's been a lot better this outdoor season i think he's been a lot more comfortable with settling into the positions he's been in instead of you know, trying to take that extra risk to try to get to the front. And I've, I've really liked watching that because he is such like a magician on the motorcycle. He makes it look, you know, too easy than it really is like or way easier than it really is. But um, that's the only thing I'm worried about. I think when they get later in the rounds, if they're still tight on points, I think he might push that edge. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, that's a little bit, they sort of discussed that, like, you know, kind of worried about late in the year, what he might do. And But he also said, I think it was Chris said that, you know, when he's behind Kenny, like he didn't, it were, basically he didn't panic. He just seemed like, I can pass him when I want to. But RJ, I don't know. I mean, like, he need to pass him pretty fast, right? You got to go after Eli. 
but top speed wise, Chris said, I think he can match it. And I agree. Most of the time, 90% of the time, Chase, I think right now can match uh, Eli speed. You agree? Where do you, where you play uh, out in this? Man, it, for me, it's just hard to put my, you know, not put my money on Tomac. I mean, sure. if you just go back and look at, you know, three years in a row winning the outdoor championship, um, Eli looks good. Um, I think that Chase can match his I think that Chase is riding really well, and his results are definitely showing. So I think the biggest thing for Chase is just he's got to stay off the ground. He's got to stay consistent, which he looks really good. And he really doesn't even look like he's, you know, pushing the envelope. I haven't even seen, like, any big really whoa moments. Um, I think that the little tip over at Thunder Valley, I mean, that was just really strange. Um, yeah, yeah. And sure. luckily it, it didn't cost him much. But, um, yeah, I think right now, I mean, my money's going to be on Eli just because he's done it and it's just going to get grueling, you know, these next few weeks. But uh, Chase is riding good, so I'm, ex- I'm excited to watch and see where this championship takes us. It's definitely going to become, you know, a dogfight between just those two guys, which – it always comes down to two, but I wish, you know, Kenny would have stayed in it a little longer for sure. I don't know that I'm out on Kenny yet. That was also a discussion. You know, he didn't look – he obviously didn't look as good this weekend. He dropped back there, I think, Moto2. But I was talking to Chiz the other night, and he said, that, you know, Kenny was sick all week. And Chiz said he said something about it on the podium. I didn't actually listen to the podium, so I don't know – I don't know that he said anything, and I haven't heard anybody touch on it, but apparently he didn't ride hardly at all last week, and he was pretty sick leading up to the race. So I'm not out on him yet. Let's see at Southwick. Let's see at Millville. And if he continues to fall back, especially once they get to Millville, I mean, probably Southwick, it's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. And we'll see if if he overcomes, quote-unquote, being sick, or or if he really is still in this thing. Because I don't, like, yeah, I don't want it to be over. for. I don't want it to be down to the two guys. And I also think... Jason has the speed, in my opinion, to run with those guys. If he just quit having little stupid things he does or having somebody else take him out. You know, he's crashed a couple times. Not always his fault, Vin. But I don't – like, points-wise, Jason's pretty much out of the championship. But I do feel he can get in there and mix it up with these guys the last few rounds, and that could make a difference somewhere in the points between the other guys. No, yeah, for sure. And something about Jason is that, it's not even like he's having these big, huge mistakes where it's taking him out of the race fully. It's, it's little, you know, he's pushing the front end, he's sliding the rear. And it's so unfortunate because I agree with you to where if he starts up there with those guys, I do think that he's fit enough and he is fast enough for sure to run with them for 30 minutes. And I, I wanted to throw one more thing out uh, about this, the Eli and Chase thing. Um, I think if Chase can get through, uh, if he can get through Southwick, and then he can get through Millville. I, I really think that um, when they go back to that hard pack, like Washougal, Unadilla, um, Ironman, and then back to Paula, I know I skipped over Bud's Creek because that dirt's a little different, but I really feel like those four tracks really favor a technical rider where Eli kind of likes to slide the rear and ride off the back. It's kind of hard at those tracks like Unadilla where it's really ruddy. So I actually think that Chase might have the upper hand when it comes down to technicality, you know, around those type of tracks. So mm-hmm. I, I do think if he can make it, uh, make it to Washougal and then get in a good break and then make it uh, back to Unadilla, I think uh, you might see some of Chase's best riding at those tracks. Ooh, I like the way you think. Let's do it. I, I, look, 
I'm not like a, I'm not all in on Eli as a fan. Like I like Eli, but I'm a big fan of his mechanic, Josh, who I'm friends with. So I would love to see Josh get another championship, but I would also love to see Chase get one. So yeah, I want I want this thing more than anything just to be a battle all the way to the end. I want the final round us to be on the edges of our seats going, oh shit, this last moto is for everything. You know, I don't want it over early. So I hope you're right, Vin. I hope you're right. Here's another question for you too. And I feel like this is starting to trend a little bit. When they talk about the Lawrence brothers, who I'm going to play the audio for in a minute, you, you hear Chris at the beginning goes, oh, wow, what a big surprise, right? We're talking about the Lawrence brothers. <laughs> to which Mathis is like, well, they're killing it. Like, what else are we going to talk about? But I'll go to you first, RJ. Like, these kind of things, whether it be Ricky in his day or Jeremy even – it tends to be like, I'm sick of these guys winning. It doesn't matter that they're the best. I, I don't like them anymore because I'm just fucking tired of it. It's it's annoying. And I could see at some point that shift starting to happen where Jet, everybody's just sick of hearing about Jet and Hunter, even if they are the story. So I know where Chris is coming from. Do you kind of see that that it could happen? Yeah, I do. Um, I funny you bring that up. I was just watching Moto 1. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Moto One from Redbud, and it's hard not to though. I mean, those guys are putting themselves up front, so obviously we want to see what's going on up front. We want to watch the battle, and you got to appreciate the way both Hunter and Jet ride. I mean, it is phenomenal. Those guys to me are nearly picture perfect, and if you really dive deep into their, you know, positioning on the bike, feet position, elbows up, line selection, the way they wheel tap things, they're they're floating around the track. I mean, it's really, really fun to watch. So on one hand, it's it's hard not to talk about them. It's hard not to want to watch them. Um, but I do like when they they go through the pack a little bit. Like, hey, they gave, you know, Styles Robertson a little shout out at, you know, the 14, 15-minute mark. Hey, he's hanging with these guys. You know, I think they could do a little better job of, you know, put a little window up on the screen and go back through the field a little bit and give each rider a little shout out, check in with them, see what's going on. Cause we don't know. Yeah. All we absolutely. do know about is, you know, <laughs> you guys Hunter and uh, jet, but um, yeah, I mean, dude, it, those guys are awesome. They're ripping. Well, let's listen to the audio and then I'm going to get to you, Vin. Well, we're going to talk about Lawrence brothers. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's the switch. I don't understand that. I don't get you and these other people. I don't get that. They're I'm, crushing it. I They're understand. the best riders in the class. Correct. What do you want us to talk about? How do we not talk about that? Three motos yeah. if you win yeah. and yeah. Hunter gets second. Yeah. Like, big right. deal. But they're starting to separate themselves here. It's got to be weird, man, to have a bro- your brother yeah. being the guy. Yeah. You know, they both want to win the championship bad. Hunter and Jed are going to go at it. But yeah. I, if when, as we get deeper into this thing, it's going to get weird. I don't think them two together. Obviously, we saw Jet make the pass and... and bump hunter i don't mm-hmm. know if you saw that yeah. when you're there uh so it's going to be aggressive if they're going to cross jump no they're going to t-bone no but they are going to bump each other together away i don't see anybody trying to challenge them i've never been a schmoda guy i've always been like he's good he got, he got some wins when the field was weaker mm-hmm. he got podiums when the field was weaker and soupy this was a kid who had to try out for that spot i've never seen a japanese rider as smooth as joe now we're just starting to see his speed catch up to his technical ability yeah I don't know if he's the guy yet, but he's definitely going to be the guy behind the, the guy. guys. Like Marks. <laughs> yes. Gonna he's like going to be a Mark. The strides that Joe Shimoda has made should not be discounted no matter what, no matter who you're talking about. Agreed, JT. Vin, I'm going to go to you on this. And instead of talking about the Lawrence brothers uh, and if you're tired of them or not, 
the aggressive pass that was mentioned in Moto One where Jet went by Hunter. Like I do you see them? I've asked this a couple times in the last couple of weeks because we're always talking about the Lawrence brothers. Can you see them at some point being like really pissed at each other? Where like for a couple of weeks, maybe even a couple of rounds, where they're just like, yeah, we're not talking to each other. We're mad. I'm sick. You know, Hunter's sick of our uh, of Jet beating him, or they get into each other. You know, there's been a couple of close calls where they could have easily cleaned each other out. Can you see a situation that comes along where these two guys are not happy with each other for a few weeks? No, yeah, for sure. I think it it sucks because they're brothers, but at the end of the day, they're competitors and they're racing for a paycheck. Yeah, you know, and and you know that Hunter wants it just as bad or even more than Jet does. Um, and yeah, it's all cool right now. We're round five. We have you know seven rounds to go. It is what it is. But I mean, if the points are you know less than ten with two rounds to go, I can easy I can easily see them. You know, having a mutual agreement, hey, we're going to do our own thing on practice days. We're going to do our own thing on race days. You know, kind of let let the best man win type of thing. Um, and like RJ said before, yeah, everything's about the Lawrence brothers right now. But, you know, TV is going to show who's going to sell the sport. And, you know, two colorful brothers that are at the top of the 250 class right now. Um, you know, the world of moto sees a marketing point and they're just going to take it. Um, and it, it just makes it that much better that, you know, they're one, two in the title and they're battling. But I, I truly do believe if the, if this thing gets tight coming down to the wire, uh, we, we might see a little bit of fight between the two brothers. Oh, that'd be so good. What are your thoughts on Joe? You know, J, here JT said you can't discount the strides he's made and he has progressed. He's progressed. And I talked to him last night on the Moto X pod show and he's like, hey, man, I'm trying to find that balance. You know, it's, it's not easy because I am a trying to be smart, trying to be somewhat safe and technical, but also find that line. Nick Way's helping him try to find that line of when to be aggressive. And I feel like this last weekend there was a shift in Joe. There was a moment where I was like, he's mad. He is riding flat out mad and, you know, like steam coming out of his ears almost, not, not seeing anything other than, I'm moving forward, you know, not seeing who he's passing. He was just going. I felt like there was a switch this last weekend. And just like we talked about a minute ago where Jason could, Jason Anderson could play a part in the 450 class, Joe's not done with uh, – he's not going to settle for third. He is going to be in the mix before this thing's over. No, yeah, I actually had just talked on the phone with RJ about this. Um, I know it's hard to say Jet's bike blew up. Hunter claims that he felt his, you know, starting to go. But I told RJ – I. I fully believe um, with his aggression and his pace that he had that first in the first moto. I th- truly think, um, obviously, it's hard, like I said, because Jet pulled off at about the halfway mark with his bike problems. I thought uh, whichever r- way that race was going to go, I thought he was going to win no matter what. Okay. Um, yeah. I thought his, his pace from 15 minutes uh, to the finish was a pace that I I don't think that those guys had the first moto. Obviously, Jet killed them the second moto, um, and I think that has a lot to do. You know, that could do with some saved energy from not riding the second half of the moto. But the pace that Joe was going and and how aggressive he looked uh, coming up to the halfway mark, I I fully thought he was going to win that moto uh, even before Jet's bike blew up. So I think he's making huge strides. I think obviously it's taken a little bit longer than people would have thought, but I mean I feel like that's been other than Jet, that's been a thing recently where. It, you know, we see these guys, it takes them, you know, two, three, four, five years to really get it down. And I think 
that has just evolved with the sport where you see guys staying in the 250 class longer. Um, but I, I truly think Joe's not going to have an issue uh, to keep progressing. And I think maybe next year or even the following year, he might be, you know, a serious, serious contender, not only for a race winner, but for a championship. Absolutely. I do not disagree with that. All right. Next topic, MXDN. Teams should be announced, I think, any day now. Let's listen to a little bit of what they have to say. And I definitely disagree with Steve on a a particular item. I'm pounding the drum. Look, the team's going to be Coop, Sexton, Tomac, unless things get, unless somebody gets hurt. Jay Coop hasn't been as good as he was in the past. He's going up and down. I'm banging the drum now. Barsha on the 250. Let's do it. I know that that dude will go for USA no matter yeah. if you guys ride a tricycle. He's like, in the interview, he's like, yeah, give me a couple weeks. I'll be good. <laughs> I mean, the last time we saw him ride 250 competitively was 2012. He's pretty young then, too. Like I would say he was, he was probably 19 or 20. I think you put him on that thing now with his strength and, and a bit more years, and I, I think it would be pretty damn impressive to be honest. Yeah, I agree, man. And look, if, if Jay Coop was on top of his game, I, I'd send him. I think it'd be fun to watch him yeah, ride I'd, one. That'd be great. And I was watching it, and I told this to Aiden while we are watching Justin ride, is do you know how strong you have to be to ride like Justin for 30 plus two? It's like, a lot of work. It's insane. So how bad does Cooper have to do for that to change? That's what it's going to be. Are we okay with that? I think that it's the best option unless you're going to go 450 guy. Well, that's where I'm going. If you can, if you can get me Barsha or Webb or Anderson, Webb, or hold Sexton, on, not Webb. I'll take Webb. That's really? Fine. He's racing GNCCs. He may be at some sort of beach race. He is drinking. I don't know what he's doing. Okay. But it's like, but. I want to go, like if you're going to give me one of those guys that knows what this race is about and what it takes and is willing to go and prepared, I'm in. Okay, uh, RJ. So again, the 450. Let's talk about the 450. I got 450 guy dropping down. Steve's been saying this for years. He's banging the drum. JT doesn't disagree. He's like, yeah, Barsha. Um, I'm going to say this is going to happen. He's wrong. I do not believe J- Justin Cooper will make the team this year because of. He he's not he's still not healthy. His his foot's still bothering him. I've kind of heard that he may be going back in for surgery. So I disagree with Steve on it's Justin Cooper for sure. And I also disagree that he kind of said he like he doesn't really feel like Christian's the guy. And I'm gonna go with Christian over Barsha, but I want to get your thoughts. Should a four fifty guy drop down, or should we take a guy that's already in the two fifty class, a McAdoo, et cetera, and give them a shot? That's gonna, that's a super tough call. I mean, it would be kind of cool to change it up. I mean, we need to do something different. I don't know how many years it's been since, you know, we've even done considerably well. I feel like it's been just kind of a downward spiral. So it would be cool. Let's switch it up if that's what it takes and somebody's willing to do it. Somebody like Justin Barsha has been around for years. I don't think, like, you know, the pressure of motocross of nations and all that kind of stuff will affect him as much as, you know, and that could be kind of good um, versus like, say we took like, say Styles Robertson has an incredible season from here on out. And it's like, all right, he's our guy. Not to say that he won't do well, but there's going to be a lot of pressure and all that kind of stuff on him. Yep. You know, maybe it wouldn't be as good of an option. I don't think we count out Justin Cooper unless, you know, you know more than I do, but you know, coming back from an injury like I'm going through right now, it's tough. I got to give him, you know, major props. Yeah, his season's been super up and down so far. But, I mean, he's been on a podium a couple times. And, 
he's had a few bad motos, obviously, at, at uh, one bad moto at High Point, and now, you know, a 7-9 at Red Bud. Not ideal, especially with Motocross of Nations being at Red Bud. Yep. But, um, and then Christian Craig, man, I don't know. He's fast. He's got some great style. I like the way he rides, but it's been a while since I've seen him on a 250 outdoors. So it could work, but it would, you know, like I said, I think the pressure of representing your country, that's a, that's a tough hat to wear. And maybe somebody like Justin Barsha wouldn't be the worst idea. You know, he kind of handles pressure pretty well and probably would go there with the mindset of, you know, let's do this thing. So it's tough. But then again, Craig did win a championship this year and he had to wear a pretty big hat at that final round. So yeah. Yep. It could go either way. I, you know, I just think that it would be cool to be on the podium and, and our guys have a fighting chance. It's hard to go up against. If Tomac's in and Sexton's in, you got to keep those guys on a 450 because of what they've done this season, you know, thus far. So as long as they stay healthy, we got a pretty good shot at it. And if we can drop a 450 guy down and run it, then let's try something. Let's win this thing. Yeah, I think Barsha is not – I don't think he's a bad pick at all. I just – I'll give both of you guys – 10 seconds right now to take me up on a $10 bet that the team is Eli, Chase, and Christian. You got 10 seconds. You want it or not? Yeah, I'll take you. Yeah, I do. Vin's, ta- Vin's in. Are you in, RJ? <laughs> I'm, in. I'm out. No, I'm out. I'm RJ's out. out. Okay. <laughs> so there's a $10 bet between me and Vin. All right, that's my team. It doesn't even matter. You don't have to pick your team. That's my team. I'll go $10 on my team. Uh, what do you think, though, Vin? Dropping a guy down from the 450. Let's say Justin Cooper is definitely not racing because, I like I said, I, I've talked to some people that I know on the team. He's struggling. We've seen him struggling. I just don't think they're going to go with him. That's that's what I feel. So if he's out, would you rather see somebody drop down, like Steve says, or do you have somebody else in the 250 class that you're like, no, give that guy a shot? So for me, it's just – Or is it I Webb? Like <laughs> Cooper Webb. I just – for me, I just want to see somebody there that truly, truly wants to be there. You know, I feel like we've seen over the years guys go and they're like, fine. Almost, you know, they talk about it as a great experience. They're like, fine with it not going well. Yeah. I, that's yeah. why I think, I feel like Barsha, he's been there, he's raced there, or he's raced the race plenty of times where I truly feel like whether he's on a 450 or a 250, he's going to give it everything he has. And that's why I joke around with my friends because we talk about this, like, right, who's going to be on the team. Um, and if you want someone who's really going to put it out there, you could pick RJ Hampshire. I mean, he's good. He's pretty good at, at Red Bud. I mean, he had a pretty quiet fifth, uh, fifth overall, right, this weekend. Yep. But, you know, he's going to lay it out there for you, every moto. So I just want to see somebody go there who truly shows, you know, that they have some fight in, in them. Um and shows aggression and and shows that they're actually taking pride uh, in being a part of this team. So yeah, well, I can, it, you have to you have to pencil in Chase and Eli, and then it's it's tough. There's I feel like um, who knows what Roger's going to do, right? We've seen Roger pick some guys that you know people had question marks over their heads of why why he would pick certain people, but you know that's not up to us, unfortunately. No, it's not. But and I do think that if Jay Coop. If I'm wrong and he goes, he even if he's not 100%, he'll put everything he has into it. We saw that Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, I mean, look, he went he went there, and obviously he had a way better outdoor season that year. But, I mean, he had what they have last gate pick. He was way buried on the outside of the start, ripped an insane start from the outside, yeah, and crushed exactly. those guys in the qualifying race. Exactly. 
So. Okay, let's let's move on to Guts Racing, which was established in 1990 as a premier off highway seat manu- off highway seat manufacturing company, offering high performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's stomp performance you want, you've come to the right place. So check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Andy Gregg and Guts Racing been killing it for years and supporting the wrap-up show since we pretty much started this thing. So thanks to Andy Gregg and Guts Racing. I want to talk about Will Hahn, RJ. Every time he comes on, there's just something that makes me a little bit happy. He's one of those guys, kind of like Phil Nicoletti, who's become you know, really good friends with Steve, but loves giving the shit back, you know, and stirring the pot and, you know, their, their middle finger game and just all the different jokes between each other. You kind of feel like you're just, you're flying the wall within their friendship and it's a very entertaining friendship. So I'm always just, again, entertained by Will as a guest. Yeah, it's nice to hear, you know, it's nice to hear the banter that they have for sure. But, um, yeah, it's cool. He gives us some insight, and he's kind of been there, done that. So I like the position he's in. And, um, you know, it's cool. You see he still does uh, local mountain bike racing out here on the West Coast. So, you know, I feel like he can put himself in the position of, you know, the racer nowadays, and he's won a championship and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's good to hear some of the insights that they have going on some of the goals that they're working on and some of the things that they work on during the week. So yeah, I enjoy listening to that for sure as well. Yeah. And he does, like you said, he's been there. He has all this knowledge. He, he's not afraid to, he doesn't really pull the punches. Like he'll talk about the issues with his riders and we'll get to some of that in a minute. But then yeah, we t- we hear about the, the flip-off game, as I mentioned, and Chris is like, ah, you guys need something more. You have too much time on your hands and Steve's hiding behind vans and, you know, Will's hiding in the like behind the curtain or whatever at the live show one race, you know, or one of the Friday night live shows during Supercross, and they take this middle finger game then as serious as the racing almost. Like I'm four one, you know. <laughs> there's they're getting fans involved. There's fans coming up with t-shirts. They're hiding behind people. You know, at Southwick this weekend, I think Steve may be sending somebody else in his place. Uh, it's just I I love that stuff. Like again. I say this all the time. Like I love the racing stuff. I love the bench racing, but that kind of stuff is more my more why I enjoy enjoy Pulp Mex. I don't really need the news from the Pulp Mex show. I'll get that from one of the other podcasts that Steve does or whatever. But the Pulp Mex show, I like the entertainment side, and I feel like we get that with Will. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so popular. Right? Is it's not just Moto. It's it's especially last night with Kefron. It's like the core group of just good friends having a good time together. Yeah. And like, like you said, being at the races, having that game. And the funniest part to me is how Will's like, yeah, we're walking out of the race and some random guy turns around and screams, yo, Will Hahn, fuck you. Like <laughs> with Moseman right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like, how could something that they just created on their own, like that turn into, I'm sure it's been, you know, hundreds and, and thousands of people know about it and to just be at a race and to yell that at Will Hahn and to see like just the little impacts they make uh, on the moto community. It's like, okay, yeah, we listen to Steve to hear all the news and the updates, but you listen because it's entertainment. And, you know, for half of the show, I'm sitting behind a computer screen laughing yes. because that's just the kind of people they are. 
Yep. Agreed. Yeah. But and it's cool that oh, like, like, like Steve said, um, about the man stuff, like he's not going to sell out. Like he's, he's his own personality. He is who he is. You love him or you hate him. Um, and whatever could happen, you know, I'm, I'm going to listen to the show because I enjoy it, not just for the motocross stuff, but just to have a laugh. Yeah. And we're going to get to the Mav TV stuff. I will not say he sold out, but I'm going to say he's being a little bit, I don't know if careful is the right word. He's, <laughs> he's not going all in with what I think he should be, but we'll get to that. With the entertainment from the Will Hahn stuff, we also get the race stuff. I don't see progression from your guys in the 250 class right now, Wilbur. Like, uh, uh, I know. Like, and look, I'm not bagging on because, look, Mosman just won a moto. Probably should have won a moto at High Point. Pierce Brown had some bad luck with a rock in his chain that caused him to, like, endo. Oh. But, like, you're seeing this side of things, Wilbur, with your team in the 250 side. It's not – they're not quite getting it. It's, it's up and down. It's a roller coaster still for your guys. Oh, and it's and it's tough, right? Well, you're you're finding that balance of you know, and and obviously I'm learning too. I'm not acting like I just stepped into this, but it, it's frustrating. But at the same time, when I look at it, um, here's Scott third in Supercross, Mosey got third in Supercross, Justin got third in Supercross. It's banner years for all of them. Very hard because of your last race was shit. That it's it's very easy to get uh, too honed in on the on the now mm-hmm. and realizing that like Mosey won his first Supercross. He also won his first Moto Outdoors this year. And there's a point of trusting the process and a point of um, panic buttons as well. But I think right now we're still doing fine and we got a lot to figure out and we need to be better still. You know, these different guys have been consistent. And how do you get past that? How do you how do you get to that level? Pierce is in that position where he needs to find that consistency, whether, yeah, t- take a 10. And, you know, am I telling him that? Yeah. Inconsistency in motocross is more consistent than being consistent. Do you understand that? I, I would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, like, I, I mean, right. yeah. you look at a guy like Dunge's career, right? That is so much more rare right. than it is to have his career. Well, that's right? what I'm saying. So, There's very few people that are like a Carmichael or like a Dunge or like a I, like. There's less of those, and we we're always talking about oh, Mosman's crashing or so and so should have won. He didn't win. It's like that is more normal than it is seeing the guys winning every weekend. And that's a true statement, RJ. I'm going to go through a couple things with this. The, the the hard question, I mean, somewhat hard question that Steve asked, you know, he's not saying, well, your team's fantastic. You know, he, he'll go get in there with his buddy, the team manager, and or whatever. I guess Will's position's not team manager anymore. But, like, hey, man, I'm not seeing any progression out of these guys. It just seems like, they're, they, you know, basically, hey, Moe's and Pierce keep having crashes, and they're not really progressing. Like, they should be getting past this. So he's not afraid to ask questions that – Sometimes a team manager or a representative of the team might be like, whoa, dude, we're not, you know, yeah, you don't talk about my team like that. But Will's like, yeah, man, I know, you know, I know. And we're working yeah. on it. But then he also says, hey, there's a lot of good things we can take away from this season. All those thirds from all, all his guys finished third overall in their perspective series. And as an industry, we should be going, holy shit, that's really, really good. But instead we're going, it's always the negative. Like we never see the last positive thing out of these guys. But I really enjoyed Will being open, Will being honest, but then Will also going, "Hey, don't forget about this." Yeah, I think that's. I mean, that is a great point, and that's another reason why we listen to you know the Pulpa Mech show. But um, I could talk about this for a long time because I get really <laughs> frustrated. I, I talk to Vince about this. I talk to my family about this. I mean, 
it is frustrating though you know you see somebody like pierce brown and i think it's great first off that steve you know has a relationship with all these people that he has and he can call these guys out and realistically i mean he's not kind of speaking the truth i mean how can you be like pierce brown you know and get third overall in supercross and then just you know you come in fox at fox raceway he went seven seven okay you know not bad then 39 10 at hangtown 11 12 okay a little better 10 10 at high point and then 36 36 at red Bud. it's like why are these guys so they're either you know so hot and they do well or they're just complete opposite end of the spectrum i mean somebody like pierce brown and it's hard for me to even talk crap about these guys because obviously they'd blow my doors off any day but i mean come on you got the equipment you got the program like why yeah why can't you just you know yeah i had a bad day high point he went 10 10 i'm sure that's not where he wants to be but hey we can live with that you know red bud not maybe not feeling well whatever the case may be why can't you do you know be up inside at least the top 15 with the program you have so yeah i don't know it's tough it's it's the similar thing with you know nate thrasher at denver supercross i think he got 11th 12th in the main event the very next weekend we go to the we go to salt lake city final round east west shootout that's even harder he gets a third place start and wins the main event. Like, <laughs> how do you do that? Then you yeah. go into outdoors and where is he? You know, he went 10-7 at Redbud. Okay, yeah, that that is good. But, like, you just you beat all the guys a couple weeks ago at the last round of Supercross, you know. So it's just crazy. I don't know. I wish I, wish I had the answer um, because maybe I could be making a lot of money helping these guys out. But <laughs> yeah. it's frustrating. But yeah. um, it's cool to hear Mathis call these guys out and at least get some answers from Will. Um, and at least he's not denying it. You know, you heard him right there. He said, Hey, you know, if, if you can't sell for a 10th, do it. But, um, it's tough. We're all racers. We're, we're putting it on the edge, but God, I could talk about that for a long time because it's frustrating as a, it, it is as a racer and yeah. as a fan, yeah. you know, then I think the frustrating part for the team should be the crashes, right? There's been numerous crashes from Moe's and Pierce that are just like, what is going on? As far as if they're frustrated with the riders, but when there's mechanicals, which I think Pierce had mechanicals at Lakewood and a couple other rounds, and I know Moe's definitely had uh, mechanical issues at Lakewood, those things aren't the riders' fault, right? You can't do anything about that, or the riders can't do anything about that, but it's the little goofy crashes that you got. You have to progress past that at that level if you want to keep those factory rides and if you want to move into the premier class, like you have to figure that stuff out. You would think, I mean, obviously we see chase chase is still doing it in the four fifty class, but at some point, as Steve said, like we want to see the progression and probably more the mental side, like the mental side of making the mistakes. That's where a lot of those things are coming from. I think. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know, I've, I've known uh, PB for a long time. I've, I met him when he was probably 13 and he's always been a great rider. And especially this year, I remember I was at Foxborough watching him and he, I, he led like, I think 12 minutes of that main event. And that's when I, I truly believe like, man, this guy's really, really starting to come on here. Uh, I think in Supercross, right. He only had that really bad round at the triple crown where he, he got pretty banged up in practice and came back. But I, I can't understand. Um, and it's pretty crazy because both of the guys on, on the gas gas team, have the same issues both super talented both have the speed to run up front but they both crash a lot and it's it's gotten to the point where 
like Popamex Fantasy. Am I going to pick Pierce Brown? No. <laughs> nope. Am I going to pick? Am I going to pick Michael Musman? No, because there it's almost like there's a higher chance that they're going to crash um, than they're not, and it, it's hard to see because Pierce and I know Pierce for a fact is such a nice kid, and obviously Mosman from what what I've seen is a sweetheart, but man, it's just so tough weekend after weekend. It's like you're almost expecting it to happen, you know, rather than them running in fifth and just getting a fifth. You you think they're going to all of a sudden start dropping down live timing, and it, yeah. it sucks to think like that, but, you know, it's become like a revolving door, unfortunately. But like you said about Steve, it's cool that he can just be straight up about that, and it's cool that he has that friendship with Will instead of getting mad at Steve or frustrated with Steve you know, he's open and he's straight up with his answers. And that's super cool to hear because I think he's one of uh, very few in a position like his that would actually answer a question uh, to the fullest truth. Yeah. And I, I got two things I want to touch on here with that. Just what you just said made me think of like, okay, if this was like a very more a straight laced news, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Like a company, like a Fox News or, or or whatever, Fox Sports. Maybe they don't joke around as much. Maybe it's very, very serious or, you know, more professional, quote unquote, than when we listen to Pulp Mex and like we've talked about earlier, it's it's friends. We're, we're kind of behind the curtain of a couple of buddies talking, but they are talking about serious stuff within the sport, but it's more loose. That's way, way more enjoyable to listen to than if it was – super just cut and dry and serious and there was no personality behind it. So yeah, kind of it's one of the reasons we listen to pulp, obviously what I want to do though, is you touched on picking these guys in fantasy and I want to kind of connect that with what Chris said about inconsistency is the most consistent thing in the sport, which is true, right? I mean, if you look at, if you go through and you're making your picks for fantasy and you look at the list of the guys that are in, you're going, I don't trust that guy. I don't trust that guy. Like, There's not that many guys where you go, okay, I'm fully 100% confident. Nothing's going to happen to this guy. And if you're like Steve, which I feel like I am, if I pick, if, if we're at round 16 and the 15 rounds before Eli Tomac is undefeated, if I pick him for the 16th round, he's going to crash. That's just the way it is. So this Kiefer's statement, though, about being inconsistent – is probably about 80 or 90% accurate for almost every rider. It's like there's only a few guys that were more consistent throughout their career than inconsistent because it's there's so many unknowns, Vince or RJ, either one of you. Like there's so many unknowns. Yeah. There's mechanicals. Well, there's other riders that crash into you. There's just bonehead mistakes, and, and it's all – so I'll go to you first, Vince, but that was a very, very accurate statement from Chris. No, 100%, and I think we see it a lot because – Guys like Pierce and Moseman, not so much because I think he truly has the speed to win on any given weekend. But if you look at the guys from fifth place back, um, they're trying to find that next click to try to get to those uh, podium positions. And I think that's when most stuff goes wrong. And mm. unfortunately, there's there's not a, a lot of guys like Dungey who like even will will compare him to Chase, where if if Dungey is in a position where he knows, okay, I don't have first or seconds pace this weekend. He's okay. And he always was okay with just backing it off that little click. I'll take a third. I'll take a fourth. But that's still consistent. Yeah. Still exact. And that's what I'm saying. And that's, that's why, that's why he was able to be so consistent. Like I remember, you know, that year where 
where he won the Supercross title, where Eli threw it away at uh, at MetLife Stadium. I think what did he win? Two main events that whole year. I mean, he just <laughs> second and third them to death. Right, and, right. And so I, frustrating. I, exactly, and I think it it's because he was so okay with like Steve said on your bad weekends or the weekends, you know, you can't win, you know, get your two twos, get your three threes. Um, but for him, but for him, um, it was two, two and three, three, where you watch these guys from fifth to 15th that feel like they should be in the top five. So, okay, they're going to ride a little bit more out of their comfort zone to reach that. And that's when we see things start going wrong. So I think for me, that's what I truly believe is that those guys in that pack, are just trying to find that little extra. And that's why we see so many things go wrong between, you know, fifth and 15th place. Okay. Uh, RJ, I want, you can have your say on that same topic, but I also want to ask you if you kind of enjoy the inconsistency, if it makes it a little bit more entertaining. I mean, from a racer standpoint, it, to, from when somebody's on a factory bike, no. Okay. I mean, just, just because they, like it's something as I've grown up, I've dreamt of, you know, having that opportunity. And, um, you know, in my later years here now, I mean, I think I've come to realize that'll probably never happen, but just these guys, they have what I've dreamt of, you know, and, and the program that they have, the factory parts that they get, like, no, I, I think that it's unacceptable, you know? Yeah. A mechanical, like you said earlier, that's out of our hands. It, that's, you can't count that. If you have a mechanical, Hey, that's, that happens. Um, but no, I don't know. I just think it's kind of unacceptable at times, you know, like these guys, they have the dream ride, the dream life. And I think it's hard cause they get caught up in it at times, but, um, I don't know. That's tough. And then just to touch on Moseman really quick, you know, no, nothing against him, but man, I kind of disagree with what you were saying, like how he has little tip overs and stuff. Yeah. At uh high point, he did have a little tip over while leading, but some of his crashes are yard sales, like round one, um at fox i mean dude he crashed hard coming down that hill before that um double jump and i mean he ragdolled it luckily he was okay and then even at hangtown moto two after he won moto one i mean he crashed pretty hard like a good high side obviously bent the bike up couldn't finish you know yep yep, yep. so i mean it's just ah, it's tough to say but um you look at somebody like and this is a touchy subject and some might disagree, but like Max Volan, not a terrible season so far, but he is on a factory bike. Like, you know, we, we probably all expect a little bit more out of him, but Hey, not bad. At least he's kind of sticking in there and, and kind of getting the job done. And hopefully he can progress as the season go on. You heard in styles interview on Sunday night, you know, like he said, he's the guy at the end of the season that's sitting on the couch and the points that could come a little bit easier to him aren't because he's hurt and you know he's putting in these great rides at the beginning of the seasons and then he's not there so Mm -hmm. it's like I feel like at least some of these guys see it but man at some point and it's hard being a racer you know but sometimes man you got to look at the bigger picture and um we haven't had many of those in our sport you know yeah Dunn's obviously Carmichael um you know, Tomac now, but I don't know. That's just my quick thoughts on, uh, on all that. Yeah. Well, you just touched on the bigger picture thing. You guys, I don't know how old you, the two of you are, but as in your 16 to say 25, ain't nobody looking at the bigger picture. You know, it's right now what's in front of me. Like in my opinion, like they're kids, you know, so that's not easy for those kids to do. 
they do understand it's a job and there's a lot of pressure, but they're still kids. They haven't matured to that point. We're seeing that now with over the last few years with, you know, with the 450 guys, you take an Eli versus say like even a chase right now, still young, you know, they're still maturing in that mental side where they understand, Oh, I do need to look at the bigger picture. Again, going back to Vince said about uh, Dungey, he's unusual. Even at a young age, he was so mature and so, you know, just he was wired differently that he was able to do that. But that's not normal, I don't think, for most kids. So, yeah, he's just, I, I don't know. It's just it's it's a challenge it's, no matter what. It's a what. touchy subject. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's a touchy subject. And, I mean, it's hard because, we, like I said, we could talk about it for a long time. But, um, you know, it's it seems like these guys, these younger racers, whatever, they can go get a third, you know, no names mentioned, but they could go get a third place and then, you know, do poorly, go out, whole shot, lead a moto, maybe, you know, top five, get hurt, and then it's like, oh, they're signed another year. Or, right, oh, right. Yeah. they're going to this team. You're like, how? You didn't even race, you know? Like, let's look back at your results. But it's like, I guess they keep getting signed, so what the heck, it's working for them. My just My thought process is, I'd have to be there every weekend and mm-hmm. consistency would be better. But I guess that's just kind of how I grew up. But obviously I was never fast enough to make it happen. But again, just from the sidelines, that's my thought process and it's a touchy subject, but so that's d- how yeah. I feel. That's there's, right yeah. There's def- definitely different perspectives on it. Let's talk about Ricky Gilmore for a minute. You mentioned him earlier, RJ. He's been on a couple of times recently. I enjoy hearing about his relationship between Eli and like, I like some of the questions that Kiefer asked kind of asking like, what is Eli trying to, what is the feeling he's trying to get from the air forks to the hybrid? And he broke that down a little bit. And you talked about liking the technical side. It's not my favorite, as I said, but I think Ricky does do a very good job of expressing that and explaining it where the people like yourself who enjoy it, even myself can understand it. And you go, Oh, okay. So I do think it's a good switch up to have somebody like Ricky in and he's becoming a pretty damn good guest after, you know, just like I said, this year, I think he's been on twice already at least. I totally agree with you on that. And, um, I like it. You know, I tested for Suzuki in the R and D department for five years and, um, I got to learn a lot about that side of the sport and what goes on. I don't, I don't have as much, you know, experience as say somebody like Chris Keeper, but I have a lot. I kind of knows. I know what goes on, and um, it's just great to hear. It's cool. It's cool to hear the different things that they can try, the different parts, and just with my dad being in the industry for so long, like the you know the different items that he mentioned, say in a fork or in a shock. Like I can take that stuff apart. I you know know how it works to a certain degree, and um, yeah, I'm just. I like it. I'm kind of techie on that side. It's cool, you know, to touch how they touched on um, the BFRC shock that Sexton's running and how that is a stock product that we, you know, try to develop better than what it is on the Suzuki 450. <laughs> but um, it's just cool to, to hear that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, I'm super into it. Uh, Vin, my favorite part, favorite thing that Ricky said all night was this. It's more about the way he rides. Like I was talking to him after Hangtown. I'm like, I was giving Kenny good props. I'm like you know how Kenny, like he's really good. He rolls out of the throttle smooth, and you're like, I don't ride like that. I just like 100% gas, and then 100% yeah. brake. Right. <laughs> so I'm just like, yeah, uh, okay. You know, like I was trying to talk to him, and he's like, no, this is how I ride. I'm like, yep, <laughs> you're right. 
Yeah, Vin, that made me laugh a little bit because, like, first of all, that sounds just like Eli, right? Super serious. Nope, nope, I don't ride like that. Like, he, he didn't want to hear it. He didn't want to go, oh, okay, that's interesting. He's like, nope, that's not how I ride. But then just, like, Gilly just going out 100% on the throttle, 100% on the brake. That sounds about right. I, I thought that was pretty funny. It made me laugh. So I was sort of like, oh, that, that was my favorite part of the Gilly conversation. Yeah, same here because I'll tell you, I give you credit. You said you understand it, uh, understood it, but to me, that whole tech talk to me sounded like gibberish. I thought, you know, when you got suspension, at least for me, you just take it out of the box, put it on, set the sag, and go. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it, I was like, man, it's it's so crazy how much really goes into it. But when they were, you know, when he was talking about rocks, and you're looking at two complete opposite sides of the spectrum uh of riding styles between kenny and eli yeah um and yeah no i i thought he was a super good guest um it's crazy how smart he is and how it's pretty cool to me how like he was talking about how he can just watch and see what the bike's doing uh without the riders even having to come back uh and tell him anything especially he was talking about christian um that Christian was like, yeah, it's good. But Gilly was kind of like, oh, I think we could do this and do this and do this. And it blows my mind that he's able to just watch and be able to make an adjustment from that. Uh, I thought that was super cool. But uh, yeah, he was a great guest. The technical stuff kind of threw me for a loop because <laughs> I do not know much about any of that. You know, I never really messed with my suspension too much. Um, That's funny. But yeah, it was really, really, really cool to see how in depth they really go yeah. uh, when it comes to testing the motorcycle. I might have exaggerated how much I understood it too, Van. I just didn't <laughs> just didn't want to be alone. So now I don't feel so bad. But I mean, he did try to explain it though. Like, you know, he talked about that Eli like wants a better feeling, more comfort in his hands, right? Which I kind of understand that. I, th- I know I, th- I know what he's trying to say. And, but I'm also with you where some of that stuff, when they start really breaking down the suspension, I'm like, uh, okay, dude, I, yeah, I just go ride. I just... That, is that how yeah. it was, is that how it was set up when I got here? Yep, it's fine. Let's go. Exactly. Yeah, I don't have that much talent anyway, so let's just <laughs> let's just ride. I'm gonna be tired in two laps. We're good. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I wanted, I wish I would have called in, but sometimes I just get cold feet and don't. But if I, the one thing I notice about Eli suspension is the ride height in the in his rear is so high. Like if you watch him coming breaking into a corner or even riding down a straightaway, his rear end sits so much higher than like any other normal bike. That's how he would, likes. Apparently. I, yeah. And I would love to, you know, know what that does for him and then what it hurts on the opposite side. Right. Oh, so yeah. Good question. Ob- obviously it helps Eli do certain things, but it's going to hurt him somewhere else. And I would have loved to ask him that, but, uh, just didn't wind up calling in. Well, let me tell you, Never be afraid to call in because if you call in, eventually you might have a wrap-up show and then be full-time media. That's how it works. Uh, RJ, you said you've, you've helped develop. You know, you did some developing with Suzuki. Can you answer that for, for Vin? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, could, I could give my best, you know. Oh, forget it, then. That, Just but, forget uh, it. No, no, no. I mean, I think I think the rear high would, would definitely be an interesting feeling when he would enter the corners. Like, I feel like I'd just feel the seat everywhere and then – you know, straight line stability would be a little off for me, but obviously he's compensating it somewhere else because yeah. he's got that thing wired. But, um, but yeah, that would be my biggest feel. And, um, throughout my testing days, they always told me like sag was just a number. So, you know, say he's as high up as, you know, maybe 95 or something like that. You got to think most suspension companies and most people recommend 105, sometimes 
dropping that thing down to 110, you know, just so the rear end is a little bit more predictable. Um, so, I mean, he could be up somewhere around, you know, mid nineties. I don't know, but they say that's just a number, but I would imagine that would affect some straight line stability a little bit, but it would help him turn really sharp because that ass is up in the air. So, so there you go. Vince. Everybody's See? different and it's working for him. Awesome. Yeah. We learned something a little bit, right? <laughs> I guess so. RJ's the guy. <laughs> you should have wrote that. You should have wrote that down. Take notes. <laughs> the last thing on Gilly on the track with the, with the S up. Yeah. The last thing on Gilly, <laughs> just real quick. Chris mentioned that he had seen him ride and there was some funny conversation there as well. I just told Gilly the other day when I was, I saw a video of him riding that he still looks good on a motorcycle. He hasn't ridden in a while because he's was injured, but like he looks a little Tomac ish when he corners. If Eli heard that, he, he thinks I'm the biggest goon because I always ask him, like, what gear are you in there? And he goes, dude, if you know what gear you're in, you're going too slow. <laughs> I guess I'm going fast because I never know what gear I'm in, except for when I take off. <laughs> After that, I'm lost. Uh, but speaking of all the, with all the suspension talk and the tech talk, I hate changing fork seals. I don't have the tools for it. I don't have the patience for it. So you got to have steel savers. For 22 years, steel savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry Seal Savers is the first and the original fork seal protection that protects your forks from dirt, dust, rock, sand, and mud. Seal Savers will always continue to innovate and improve, which is what led to the development of the easy-to-install Zip-On Seal Savers. Not only do they have a full line of products for your motorcycle, Seal Savers has essential products that are crucial for your performance of your side-by-side and mountain bike. Seal Savers is the ultimate protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at SealSavers.com. So, guys, if you ride motocross... If you've got a side by side, you're out in the high des, and you're what do they call it? What do they call uh, mobbing? Is that what they say? I think for marks, I don't even know what the term means. If you're mobbing <laughs> through the desert and you're side by side, where you're here in East Texas and you're just mudding, you need some seal savers. Yeah, they even got them for your mountain bikes. Probably sixty percent of you guys listening ride mountain bikes. Get you some seal savers. Protect those seals so you don't have to replace them. It saves you a little money in the end, man. Sealsavers.com, twenty five percent off. Uh, okay, what do we want to talk about next? I think Marshall Welton is who I is a guy that I really like. My favorite part of the Marshall Welton, like I enjoyed listening to him talk about, you know, right being at HEP and, and the suspension stuff again, the, the settings that he's taken from Bogle's bike and progressing. But the best part, Vin, to me, was him riding on the high des and almost getting killed by some <laughs> dude going 70 on a side road that cuts through the tractor riding on. That's high des life. I love it. No, yeah, he was awesome, and especially all the stories, obviously, staying up with Kiefer, yeah. um, and obviously Kiefer taking all the credit for how well he's doing. <laughs> right, but of course. The, the he got that from thing, Steve Mathis. <laughs> the biggest thing that I take away is finally they give they gave a guy who was doing well on his own program a shot, and I mean, you see just in two weeks, the guy grabs his first top 10 overall, and that's phenomenal, and I've seen marshall a lot over the years there's a lot of big money races up here in the northeast that spans from like august to october and then he would be at every one just collecting a check and it's cool that you know he's he's a little older and he's still chasing it and finally you know the results were showing and they gave him a shot and it's, it was really cool to sound or to hear uh that it sounds like you know this might continue into the future for him um with the hep team uh so i'm, I'm super stoked for him i don't know him uh, just seen him around a lot over the years, but I thought it was super cool. And it was super cool that Kiefer, I saw, you know, wrote like an open invite on Instagram to have whoever wanted to come up and ride. And obviously, 
Wilton got up to go up there and ride with them. And I mean, who knows? Maybe that was, the, maybe that was the key. I mean, you can't say that it wasn't cause we don't know. Yeah, so, right? so yeah, I'm fair with that. Uh, Chris is great. And I got to meet Marshall at the JV 10 race up there. What's that track in Iowa Riverside river front? No, that's, that's Cali. Wherever JB 10 does his race every year up in Iowa and Riverside, Iowa, I think is what it, I can't remember the name of the track, but I met Welton in 2020, really, really nice kid cleaned up there too. Vin took a bunch of money home. So yeah, I'm really happy for him. Uh, RJ, they talked about the RMZ and how it's kind of low hanging fruit, right? For the keyboard warriors, the media to kind of bust on, but I also talked to Heart recently, and with that twisted development engine, he's like, dude, the thing's too fast. We had to, like, mellow it out. Like, the bike is perfectly capable. We're seeing decent results from those guys, and they're getting better. Like, the bike is absolutely competitive. I'm blown away. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty speechless, honestly, on, on the Suzuki performance, but I got to give it to him because – he even mentioned, and even Kiefer kind of was like jaw dropped at one point when he said that he thought his gas gas was pretty dialed. And then he rode the Suzuki and realized that his gas gas wasn't. And Kiefer, I think he even said like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, he did. Because, yeah. you know, and, and I still, you know, I, I just, it's hard. The Suzuki is definitely very far behind. I mean, I helped develop that bike. And, um, is that why it's I, behind? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah yeah it's all my fault yeah no i mean just i could that's a definitely a story for a different time but i gotta give it to those guys um even in supercross i mean brandon hartraff did really well on it and yeah. um i gotta give it to welton a 10 12 at Redbud on that thing i mean it's just it's still a good bike you know i think for the average guy like it's got potential it's just it's just outdated but whatever they got going on, their suspension package and their engine package, it obviously works because he says he likes it. So that's cool. I wish we would have gotten a little more from him. I don't know what was going on with his audio. Yeah. I'm kind of bummed, uh, bummed on that side because I wanted to get to know him a little bit more. And it would have been cool to uh, to hear his story a little bit more. I, I vaguely remember him racing him as an amateur. I feel like he was a little bit, maybe a little bit ahead of me. But I feel like I remember him racing on a Yamaha in amateurs and then uh i mean at the last round of supercross i'm pretty sure he had his bike and a rental car <laughs> and he That's made the 450 yeah. main if i'm you know i think um and i mean that's impressive so yeah i gotta imagine just hopping into a semi truck having a mechanic having a practice bike mechanic and all that kind of stuff has got to be super beneficial and that's got to be pretty key to his program maybe he gets better tires now who knows i don't know the deal but it, it would have been cool to uh to hear that from him a little bit so i'm bummed that got cut short but um yeah definitely some when technical. i'm healthy yeah when i'm healthy i think i'm gonna go up to the high des and ride with keeper hey you know what i'll holler at you i'm coming out in a few weeks to do some <laughs> to do some vital stuff and uh, i think we're gonna try to get together with chris and i don't know if we're going to the high des or if he's coming down but I'll definitely holler at you because I want to go back to the high desert ride. That was a lot of fun, but I'll hit you up when that time yeah. comes. Yeah, let me know because, you know, I'm thinking about doing the last round at Paula. So if I go to the high desert and everything's clicking, I mean, you know, maybe I can pull off a couple top 20s at the last <laughs> round. That would, that would be the icing on the cake. We'll give that credit. I'm taking credit for that if it happens. If we go out there together, it's going to be me. Okay. Uh, let's, okay, jump into, let's, yeah, let's jump into Styles Robertson. My favorite interview of the night. I think everybody would agree it was really good. 
I like the kid, but I didn't know he was into old cars. That was something we kind of learned. He talked about like a Nova. I was like, oh shit, this kid even knows what the hell a Nova is. All right, I'm in. Um, really, really cool to hear him then just talk about like he understands that he, what he needs to do. Now, figuring out how to do it, that's another story, but just kind of implementing what he needs to do. But let, let's listen to what he had to say real quick. These places like Daytona and Redbud, where, where I'm kind of, I guess, comfortable and I'm in the right state of mind, I feel like I'm good, you know? And then at these other places, I don't know if I just put too much stress on myself or what it is, but I definitely need to figure it out because it, it like, I was telling my parents and I told my parents and, and the team on the way home, like, dude, it feels like this 3 5 felt easier than, let's say, High Point, where I went 14. Yeah. Uh, eight or whatever, you know? Right. And, yeah, yeah. and that's the crazy part. And, you know, everyone says it to you, but you don't really believe it. For me, it's just I need to be more fun and relaxed. And that's kind of where the results come. Like Daytona, I was literally – I had a bunch of friends from the Baker's factory there and just mm-hmm. literally hung out the whole day. And it was more like – it was it was more fun, you know what I mean, than, than really business. And, and then it kind of showed. I guess it's like more like a local race. When you go to a local race, you're chill. You know you're going to do good because you're the guy mm-hmm. and then you go to these races and like you said you have uh people around you that you're comfortable with but for the average guy when when you guys say hey man i tightened up i'm in the front what does that mean does that mean you're thinking about the podium like oh man i'm up front i'm on a podium or my sponsors are going to be stoked or i'm stoked like what does that mean when when you guys say hey man i'm up front and i knew it and i tightened up what does that entail you're just overthinking it for me it's more like okay i'm up here I'm staying up here. What do I do now? I'm wanting to be in there bad, you know what I mean? And squeezing, and just, you know, trying to get there so hard instead of kind of letting it come to me a little bit, I think is why I tightened up and kind of the arms got a little tight. So, Vin, what I was kind of saying, like, it seems like he's kind of, he Styles kind of understands what he needs, right? He, he needs a little bit looser program, a little less stress at the race. It sounds like, like, my friends are there. Or I know I do well at this track and I do better, but when I feel like I'm going to struggle or I'm not doing as well at a track, then I tighten up or I, I'm not, I'm putting too much pressure on myself. So it kind of sounds like he knows what he needs out of his program. Like he, he needs a little, maybe less structure, a little, just let's loose and let's have fun. If he can figure out how to implement that week in and week out, then he, you know, we probably will see his trajectory of finishes go up. But I kind of liked what he had to say. Like he seems to have it figured out. Absolutely. And I think, I think that all rides on confidence. Yeah. You know, like if you, if you go into a race, like he said, Daytona, where he did well last year. Okay. I know I do good here. I've done well here before. Um, I think it just all goes back to a confidence thing. And, and I think that's probably the biggest thing for him with being hurt so much is that he hasn't had the time to build it. Um, so I think if he can keep these next couple rounds going and even, like RJ was saying before, even if it's not a third, go out and get fifth, go out and get fourth, go out and get sixth. Just be there every weekend. And then, you know, when you come into Supercross next year, outdoors next year, you can say to yourself, okay, I did this for a whole year. I know I can be up here. I belong up here. And I think that's when you see a lot of guys um, start to make that progression is when they get a full season or a full year under their belt where they were comfortable because the next year it's going to come that much easier. Definitely, definitely the case. RJ, how worried is Chris Kiefer about Mike Brown at Loretta's? <laughs> he is stressing. And uh, next time I see him, I'm just going to make it even worse because it's going to be tough to beat him. Yeah. Even though Kiefer rides a lot, and if he does get beat by somebody that's only ridden six or seven times, which means he did an area qualifier 
a regional and maybe a few practice days in between. That's that's not good, Chris. You got a lot. <laughs> Chris rides weekly, baby. So yeah, he better be training hard. Yes. I text. I was texting Brownie while this was going on. It's like, please call into the Pulp Show right now and give it back, please. Uh, he did not respond. But here's a little bit of the audio. Uh, Styles is he? Uh, is he riding? Um, honestly, I think he's rode legitimately since Loretta's last year, maybe six times. Good. Keep him off the bike as much as yeah, you can. He's key for competition at Loretta's. This okay, summer, so, so just tell him you need more attention. <sighs> Keep him off the motorcycle because I need all the help I can get. Tell him to skip forty. No, see, I, I'm voting for forty and fifty. Shh. I'm sorry, but that's twenty-five <laughs> plus. We know unless he's going to be training. Yeah. When he puts a helmet on, I, I'm scared to ride with him. Does <laughs> yeah. not care who you are when he has a yeah. helmet on. And I think the competition side comes out, and he wants to race 25 with those guys. Is it true that he, that some of you guys might have been complaining about the whoops at the track, and the bike wasn't going through him, and he got on the bike and did the track and had a great lap time? Uh, I don't recall. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. I heard that. Really? Soupy. I heard he just got his soupy. Heard he got his shit on, went out and rode the track, and his times were close to the two come on game. that's what i heard you're a good friend of mine yeah he is gonna kick your ass <laughs> at Loretta's. i remember when, when he he when you beat him at glen Helen keep i called him oh, and that's when after after i i seen a, a tweet from you i believe and i was mad i was like dude you let keeper beat you <laughs> that's jacked you up thanks, <laughs> thanks styles that's jacked up you keeper beat you that's okay. sad but you know what's gonna suck what? Styles says he's ridden six times in in the year yeah and if he goes out and works me and I'm riding like a son of a bitch, that's going to look bad Dude, on me. he is. He's going to work. <laughs> so, uh, RJ, that's really the end part of that conversation really is where I think a lot of the listeners became, if they weren't like big time Styles fans, like they, they, I feel like they shifted because he was really involved with that conversation. Like he's team Brownie. He's giggling. He's like, oh, he's going to kick your ass. He, you know. It's going to be bad. I can't believe you let Kiefer beat you at Glen Helen. Like he was all in. He was almost like he like he was part. He was really comfortable. He was really comfortable on the phone with the guys. And again, going back to my thing, where that that kind of topic is what I like the behind the scenes, the joking that made my night. That conversation. Yeah, that was cool. It's it's cool to hear how he's involved in Brownie's uh, Loretta program, which seems like there isn't much of a program this year. <laughs> it doesn't but, have um, to be. It's, it's cool that he even watches them, it, even uh, even with, you know, Vet Worlds and all that kind of stuff and the racing they had there. The only thing, I mean, I'll give it to Chris. Chris knows how to ride a dirt bike, obviously, very fast, and he's going to be good at Glenn. The difference is, and I know Chris has gone and done some prep in Colorado, but he needs some slow speed, you know, heavy dirt, you know, slower braking bombs, ruddier conditions where that's what Brownie's a Tennessee boy. So, I mean, he's got a lot going for him. And obviously there's some talk that he's building a good bike. So I think it's going to be a, a good race for sure. I'm excited to watch. Yeah. And it's cool that Styles is, uh, you know, going to cheer him on. And I'm sure a lot of, you know, kids like that and stuff go back to the ranch to hang out for the week. So. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a good race. You know, it'd be cool to see him trade some moto wins. That'd be fun to watch. It would be. Uh, Chris needs to come out here to East Texas and ride it underground or something and get some rough, yeah. rough, rutted tracks. He, he needs some uh, some rough, rutted tracks. Yep. But um, no, that was a that was a great interview. Styles is a you know technically a local boy. I mean, he's Bakersfield, California. He's younger than I am, but I kind of watched him grow up 
And um, it's cool to see him doing really well. I hope he stays healthy. Yep. I wish they would have touched on that crash he had in Moto2. It was just kind of like, that's when I see that, like, no hard feelings, you know, to Styles or anything like that. Obviously, he's pushing the edge and he's trying to move forward and stay up there. But it's like, he jumps off that little roller and into that kind of turning double and, like, just completely loses it. And you just can't help but like throw your hands in the air and be like, ah, oh, like typical, like yeah, why? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So, and, and again, feelings, no, nothing, just kind of that typical, like why, how it just kind of would have been cool to hear his, if he had any thoughts or any more details on that, but got to give it to him, man. He's riding good. And you know, same thing you guys already said, just hopefully he can keep it up through the season. He's got some speed and Moto one. He stuck with those guys for 15 minutes right there. So hopefully, uh, he can do it, you know, these next couple of rounds and show him what's up. Definitely. You guys have heard about Michelin motorcycle tires and the Starcross 6s, now the Starcross, or the Starcross 5s, now the Starcross 6s for years with Pulpamex. Well, Michelin Bicycle Tires is also a proud sponsor of this Pulpamex wrap-up show. And in 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products, including the Wild Enduro, the E-Wild, the new BMX Pilot 20-inch BMX tires, or any other road models, bike.michelin.com. Uh, let's jump ahead real fast to what I'm calling the unofficial rant with JT on the phone, again, who had been drinking a little bit during X-Brand, let's listen. Should the Outdoor Series be worried, and what can they do to raise the bar? No, they shouldn't be worried. What they can do to raise the bar, though, Shh, relax. what they can do to raise the bar relax. is I witnessed the Troy Lee team this weekend, and actually Will, we should call Will back. They were washing bikes just in the middle of the walkway. And it was like Unadilla 87 with the fans, for the fans just trudging through the water, <laughs> trudging through the muck and the water. Imagine if you brought beautiful Yar Yar yes. and she's wearing her Yeezy shoes oh, and she's at a national. Out. She's out. Dude, and she's just like, oh my God, I can't walk here. Like, wash base. What is wrong with the wash base? Yes. Why don't we put the wash base in? These The lanes are so full of mud and water. And the teams don't give a shit. And how do I know that? Because I was on a team and I didn't give a shit. I sprayed spectators on purpose. Yes. I understand it. You but sprayed them on purpose? Yes. <laughs> they walked by. Yeah. I sprayed. If they started looking at the bike too much, I just went and just sprayed them. You're such an asshole. Get out of my, get out of my bike. So I'm just like saying. fighting dog. Just yeah. hit them with water. Right. Finn, we've all been to nationals. He's not wrong about the wash base. He's not wrong about the muddy mess. But he claims that he just sprays fans because they're looking at his bike. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> no, that was I thought that was super funny how yeah. he was talking about that. And it's true because like there's gotta be something put in place where, okay, we understand we're in the middle of nowhere, right? At most of these nationals and all these pits are dirt and grass, but you gotta think that you got to put something in place here to let's make this look as professional as we can for the fans that are coming in, who just come to this one race once a year, let's make it the best experience we can for them. Uh, and it, and it sucks that sometimes like, even I know I, since I was five years old, I've been to Unadilla every year 
and it's sunny and 90 degrees out, but the the pro pits by all the factory teams is a sloshy mess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, the GPs, I'm almost positive, have wash bays. I know they did at Redbud, you know, a couple years ago. Uh, TPJ has brought pressure washers in and had some wash bays. Can't be that difficult. Yeah, definitely can't be, but... No, I was die- dying when Steve, when he used the sound effects, everything spraying the fans, they would walk by on purpose. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's like we were saying before, that's the reason why I listen because it's just, it's hysterical, right? It's like almost comedy, you know, with mixed with dirt bikes. And uh, that was awesome. I love that. RJ, he gets fired up over some silly topics. <laughs> yeah, very much so. But I was laughing. Even the background music, I don't even know like where that came. <laughs> From, but it was funny and then hearing chris calm down yeah well that came you know, from the monk. I was laughing that that started with them saying that jt was living the monk life and uh yeah, yeah. it was great that yeah. was a great segment jt a little loose i kind of like that i do too um, that was fun tell jt maybe like before he does next time he does like mav tv or whatever the heck it's going to be called maybe like <laughs> that level will help you know Whatever he's feeling when he when he gets put in front of the camera with the mic, I think that would be nice. Loosen him up a little bit. All right, so maybe I, I that's will, what he needs. I will make that suggestion. <laughs> We've got a, a lot of things I still want to get to, and we're, we're starting to get a little long with the show. So I want to mention, as I did earlier, JoJo Keller called in, had a really great Danny Magoo story. I'm going to assume most of you guys have already listened to the show. If not, go back and check that out. That was a lot of fun. little history there that RJ knows nothing about and Vince does. So we, we know who knows our motor history. I want to jump real quick to a comment that was brought up about big news. Ken Roxon agreeing to do world supercross. Steve says not firepower Honda. And I'm going to maybe, I don't think I'm gonna do the $10 bet again, but I heard from somebody that it was firepower Honda. So it'd be kind of interesting to see how this comes out. But then just real quick, we kind of know what World Supercross was supposed to be, and now they're hiring, as they talked about, Steve and Chris talked about it, this big-time name, big-time rider. Steve here is 250K. I don't like this. This is not what it was supposed to be. I'm on board with kind of being a little bit upset by it in some of these teams. Like, I don't I, I, I don't, I don't really agree with it. I let it. Let's let it start out small and let these other guys, like, you know, whoever, Weimer or uh, – not Weimer, um, Cole Seeley or – I don't know, Justin Starling or whoever, let's let, I don't know. We don't need Eli and Kenny in the series. In my opinion, I kind of disagree with it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on this. And I think next year will be a lot different, but I think it's so appealing because this year they're all in the off season and it's only three rounds, right? So for a guy like Kenny, who's probably nearing the end here, why not go make a paycheck? But I'm with you. I've, I've heard from a very, very reliable source that it was with firepower. Yeah, but I, I did too. I heard I heard a factory bike with basically firepower graphics on it. Yep, that that's actually what I heard. So we will find out. Uh, you know, okay. Steve Steve usually has, you know, he gets the stuff first. So I guess we could be wrong, but I I'm gonna say, Christian Craig, MXDN, Ken Rocks, and Firepower Honda. I'm going all in. I'm going all in on these two things. So I'm, <laughs> so I'm gonna be out. I might be out ten bucks, but we'll see. TV coverage sucks. Steve, I feel like you should say it sucks. Now, he kind of made it sound like he really didn't know. He hasn't been home watching them live, but maybe one or two times, the first two rounds, I guess. Two weeks in a row when it was terrible. Well, it's been terrible every week, RJ. Every every week it's been absolutely terrible. He needs to admit. And um, 
he watched the first two rounds at home. Like, come on. Yeah. It's bad. Like, it's not the, the, it's not the Wi-Fi either. I've watched it Hell at no, two different people's houses. I've one of my buddies, his parents have the best Wi-Fi. You probably can't even buy their Wi-Fi. <laughs> it was still terrible. The picture quality is terrible. Yeah. Um, it, you get logged in and out and sideways and you can't watch the motos and it frustrates the hell out of me. And now, yeah, whatever. It's seven bucks, but now I got to go pay for flow racing. Um, and it better be better. That's all I got. It's say. not. So yeah, here's, I'm going to try to throw a bunch of things in at one time. Uh, my Wi-Fi sounds like it's like your buddies. When you do a speed test on my Wi-Fi, it goes all the way off the chart and it just says your Wi-Fi is super, super, super fast or whatever. It's insane. So I don't have any Wi-Fi issues. What I have is login issues, being logged out issues, commercial issues when I paid for commercial free. Um, lots of people talking about I can't cast it to this device, to that device. What well, works on my phone, it doesn't work on my iPad. It works on my Fire Stick. It doesn't work on my Roku. That's all a problem. This shit should work across the board on every platform. Mav should not. Mav has been hosting races for I don't know how long. How is all of a sudden motocross a fucking issue? And now we got to hire another company, Flow Racing, to show our race because we can't figure this shit out, but we can do Knoxville Nationals. We can do the Chili Bowl. Like, I don't understand what the issue is. I logged into Flow Racing for Moto1, or I actually logged in for, I think I said this when I called in the first time, I watched qualifying, no problems on Flow Racing. When Moto1 started, I logged back in, and it showed live now. So I clicked on it, and it started replaying qualifying so i was like well i don't know what happened i just logged back out i tried to search it out live now you know uh redbud pro national whatever it says log into it starts qualifying over again so i jump over to mav and it works fine for a little while then we go to moto one for moto two of 450s and i go to peacock and i'm like wow look how clear this is this is perfect <laughs> why this is the same fucking cameras so it's not a camera issue it's a Mav TV issue, which they had years ago when they were, you know, showing the races. Says the HD, but it damn sure is not HD. It's like I don't know what's in between high. It's medium def. <laughs> it's certainly not low def, but it's not. It's not like Peacock. And then it was time to log back in for the Moto Two, the two fifties. Flow racing doesn't work. I log into Mav TV. You don't have an account. Uh, yeah, I was just using it. I do have an account. Log out. Log back in. It works. It's it's fucking ridiculous. No, yeah, I'm with you. I've yeah. had a problem since week one. I remember, like, I, I couldn't get it on my laptop. Remember that first week, you couldn't get it on your computer mm -hmm. at all. The servers, mm -hmm. All the servers were down. So I was like, okay, I'll buy it on my iPad, and I'll, I'll you know, airplay it to my TV. Well, I buy it on my iPad. Um, it doesn't give me a login or a password or anything. <laughs> so then, like, I can't get onto it on my laptop now. So yeah. I canceled it. I tried to get flow racing. I mean, it's just been like truly, like you said, a mess. I had commercials all this weekend. Um, I've had it log me out. I've had a black screen for 10 minutes. And you would think like, you know, you're taking this big role on, right? As the provider for Lucas Oil Pro Motocross, you would think maybe, okay, let's do a test run, right? Let's air an old race live back on Mav or do something like that just to make sure that it can hold the capacity of the amount of people that are going to be watching. But I mean, we're five weeks in now and I mean it, yeah, it's gotten a little better, but it's just like, 
okay, they fixed one issue, but now there's a new issue. Right. And Steve kept saying like, well, we've always, almost always had to switch from channel to channel. Yeah. When you had cable, but now if I'm paying a fee to Mav TV, then it should work on Mav TV pretty much every time. Yeah. Unless there's a freak thing. And okay. NBC, whatever money, whatever the reason is, are doing a few on there. Fair enough. I'll switch from Peacock to Mav. I shouldn't have to go from Peacock to Mav to Flow back to here, back to here. Oh, this one doesn't work. And I'm paying for it. I am paying for commercial free. There's commercials jumping up when they go to commercial break. Then they come back to the race and there's like half of a commercial and they go, oh shit, we didn't mean to play that commercial. We're going back to the race. Uh, yeah, you, it's, and it's, it's def- all over the place. It is. It's very unprofessional. It's not working right and it's not even like nbc not nbc it's not mx sports it's not weege it's not it, it's something to do with mav and how they i don't know I, the technical side of what they're doing it's not even the tv crew like bondo it's something to do with mav and there was another point i was going to make and i completely lost track of what it was because i'm frustrated now well i i would like to make a couple points please One, do uh, the motocross community is rough. You hear some of those emails, some of those DMs uh, Steve is getting. But, I mean, I feel like people do have a right to get mad. It's pretty frustrating. And then also, a couple years ago, um, yes, if you had Mav TV, Moto Ones were live, and then usually you had to switch. But you didn't have to. Mav TV used to, you used to be able to watch all four motos on Mav TV commercial-free. And, um, they would go like Weege and GL would go silent and then they'd come back and just start talking about the race. And then Weege would bring it back in like, okay, you know, they're coming back from commercial break and it was awesome. And then also last thing that I wanted to quickly bring up, like, are we not allowed to talk about how much we miss Grant Langston? Like, does nobody miss <laughs> Grant Langston commentating the race? Like, is that just off limits? Or no. where are we at with that? I, I, mean, I like GL. Yeah, I love GL. Like, yeah, yeah, we need him back. He was insane. Like, he was one of my favorite um, commentators to break down the race, outdoor moto champ, and just the guy could carry a conversation about what was going on, how the track was breaking down. He was just naturally good at it. I feel like him and Weed were together was yep. just power couple. I agree. That's not I, I I like G a lot. He's not one of the guys where I'm like, eh, I can take him or leave him. I really did like him. My other point that I was going to bring that I just now remembered was the re- replays of the race on Mav take like four or five hours to upload. What the fuck? I mean, Peacock would have him up in like 30 minutes. And I know it's probably a very big file or whatever the term they use for what they're doing is. Four or five hours, like the first round, I think it was round one, maybe round two, I didn't get to watch live. And it was like midnight. I'm like, thank God that we're still not doing the the post-race press conferences through Zoom because I would have zero clue what the hell's going on because I can't keep up with it watching it live half the time and I miss so much. And then the replays are hours and hours later. It's re- absolutely, I think it's very uncalled for if we're going to pay for the service. You want to give it to us for free? That's different, but if if we're paying for it, it needs to fucking work. Yeah, and I was in the same situation as you. I had to. I forgot if it. I think it was the first. I think it might have been the second round. I have. I was working on Saturday, so when I'm working and the race is on, you know, I turn off the social media, yep. mute all, mute all my group chats. Fantasy can't look at fantasy. Yeah, can't look at fantasy, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, I get home from work. I wait. I got out at three, so I wait until four o'clock when the motos end. 
And then all of a sudden it's like four thirty, <laughs> five o'clock, still nothing. And then I'm like getting antsy because now I'm like, okay, I need to check, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like eight thirty, nine o'clock and they're finally up. And like you said, Peacock, they're up, you know, 30 minutes later, I can go back and watch the race. Um, and they're just, yeah, it's frustrating, especially for people like us who are diehard and want to enjoy it and look forward to it every week to have these problems. Yeah. It's frustrating. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's very, very frustrating. Enough about that. We probably just spent 15 minutes on that. (laughs) Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at motorsport.com. I just placed an order Tuesday. I went through the the widget or whatever the hell the thing's called on pulpmix.com so that Steve can get a little portion of my money, you know, because I got to give back to Steve since he gave so much to me. But I, uh, I ordered an air filter for my 22YZ250, thanks to the Pulp Show. You cannot have it back. I ordered some carburetor parts for my 06450, and they will be here Friday so I can get back on the track so that I can get ready for Cali's life and high des where I can go bang bars with RJ. All right. Yes, let's do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. back. I'm ready. All right. I was. I have a bunch of stuff of notes on my call about the vital deal, but again, we're running a little long, so I'm just going to ask you guys: Do you have any questions, any comments about when I called in? Uh, RJ, you can go yes. first. Anything you want to ask? Anything yes, you want to talk do. about? Okay, let's go. What What do we call you? Um, you know that's like, that's an interesting question. That's, I'm lost. <laughs> like, do I call? Like, I don't know. Do I call you Dark Side? Do I call you Jamie? Um, what do I call it? Like, I'm lost. So I still feel fine like Jamie, I'm lost. I'm fine with Jamie. I've actually started more often when I text people now. I go, "Hey, this is Jamie," and then sometimes I'll put in quotes "Dark Side" if like that's all I've ever. If it's somebody I know that I've always gone by Dark Side, I don't care what you call me. I really don't. Uh, I've been getting a lot of vital Jamie, but I guess we probably need to start transitioning to Jamie. You're welcome, Steve and Chris. But I like Dark Side. I like the nickname, and I do kind of dig it. Even though it's dorky, I don't care. I'm a dork. Uh, so <laughs> no, I think it's uh, I think it's funny. I'm just giving you crap, but no, I'm stoked for you. Um, yeah, welcome. You know, welcome really into the moto community. That's awesome. And uh, I just want to give you crap because I think it's funny how they give you crap. And I'm sitting here like, well, I kind of know him as I'm. He's dark side, but like, yeah. that's just what he is. I think the first ever order you placed on our jerky, you're like, yeah, I ordered some our jerky, and I'm like, no, you didn't. And then we went back and forth, and then I found out your real name, and I'm like, oh, this this guy actually <laughs> ordered our jerky. Hell I was yeah. like, I don't even know who he is. The but seven yeah, deuce so deuce. I got the seven yeah, deuce deuce beef so. brisket, man. Hell yeah. I was laughing, but no, it's cool. Uh, stoked for your, your new uh, endeavor over there at Vital. And yeah, shoot, you never know. I might be seeing you a lot more now. I hope so, yeah. But it's funny you talk about them giving me shit, and Vin, like Steve's made the the statement. Uh, he's a nice guy, but not someone I'd associate with. Which that's kind of shitty because, like, I had long hair for about five years of the media stuff until just recently, right? And Steve always talked to me and would visit with me, had me to his house. That's bullshit, Steve. Come on, man. <laughs> but it's funny, right? Maybe it's not funny. And Chris kind of touched on it, Vin, like, you know, the judging a book by its cover, like that shit really makes me mad. I hate that stuff, even though I do it a little bit myself. 
but he's not wrong. I have noticed a shift and I don't like that. Like, I feel like as long as I work hard and do a good job, it shouldn't matter, but it has made a difference. I, I can't really argue with the guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everybody is, uh, is victim to judging a book by its cover. You know, I think there's not one, I mean, maybe a few people, but I think everybody kind of falls into that trap. And, um, I've noticed a lot, especially going through school, um, and going through interviews with different jobs. It's all about how you carry yourself. And obviously you've always carried yourself well in the industry. Um, and you've become very known in our industry, which is really, really cool. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, clean cut, you look a little bit more professional. I think it's been really well. And I actually thought about what I wanted to tell you when I was going to come on here. Like, it's super cool that, you know, in your position, you have every excuse to kind of half-ass your way through like the moto stuff you do because you have a full-time job and you have a lot of other things going on, but everything you've done and everything you've tried to pursue, you've done it to a hundred percent. And I think that's the most admirable thing about your journey through this so far is, um, you know, you go to work every day, but you come home and you put as much amount of work in, uh, into this moto scene. And I think it's really cool to see that pay off. And it's, I mean, I think it's only going to get bigger from here. And obviously you're super into it. You're super knowledgeable. Um, and you know, you can do a lot of great things here. Well, I, I appreciate that. I do have a very strong work ethic that I got from my dad. My dad was in the military for 20 years and, you know, he was in the Navy. And when you, you don't call in sick, you got to work, you know, and you do your job. And that's kind of how I was always brought up. So when I decided I want to do this and get involved with it, yeah, I put everything into it, like four or five hours every night on top of my day job. And like there was somebody on Twitter the day or yesterday that was like, I, you know, maybe it was on the vital forum, but the guy was like, you know, I don't know like Jane dark side or whatever. I don't know what credentials he has. He's not from the industry. I guess I, I don't know what the guy said, but he's basically like, I didn't deserve this just because I called in and I'm like, dude, you don't have any, I fucking any idea how hard I work, how many hours I put in weekly. And when I'm at my day job, I'm, you know, I'm driving from one job to the next and I'm pulling over to text RJ and, and Vin to maybe set up a time and Hey, can you do this? And it's, absolutely constant. I have worked my ass off. Steve has had a huge part in this. I will not take his role away or Chris's role away, but I work very hard and yeah, I put everything I have into it. So I appreciate it. I'm very thankful to Michael Lindsay and Weege and all the guys for the opportunities. So it's going to be good. Um, so thank you. And I, again, I'm getting used to the short hair. I kind of like it now. So <laughs> hate admitting that, but it's true. And uh, I want to touch on something the slow just clap really, for you? really quick. Yeah, I, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, just want, really quick. Like, oh, uh, this. you're both talking over each other. So, RJ, go first. No, no. I just was just wanted to make sure we we gave you the slow clap and that, oh, that no, were, no slow clap, no slow clap. I don't need that. I just uh, <laughs> I appreciate the kind words. Go ahead, Vin. Go, Mark. Yeah, but it's something sad. Like you look at other sports and you look at you know the biggest critics and the people on ESPN. They were never professional i mean some nowadays obviously you have like Shaq and magic they do their thing but most of them are not former professional basketball players or football players right, right. or stuff and it's so sad that in the moto industry it always turns into oh well then you do it or you've never done it like why does it always have to turn into that like why can't 
I just be very knowledgeable about our sport and be an analyst and critique certain things that I see. But it always comes back to, oh, well, you were never a pro racer or you were never at that level. Like that, that stuff just frustrates me. Yeah, sure. And, and it's like, why, why does it have to be like that? Why can't, you know, an analyst be an analyst? Okay. Yeah. We have old pros that talk and we have old pros that are on TV talking about motocross, but why can't somebody train? Like I have a good friend who went to school to be an analyst and now he works for golf.com. He was never a professional golfer. That's cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? So why, I don't understand why in our sport, it always turns into that. I agree with that. That's a really good point. And then I, I just thought of this as you were saying all that, I feel like my road was more difficult. I mean, clearly, right? Steve Mathis, biggest podcast in the industry, in my opinion. Uh, Ricky Carmichael and Jeff Emig did one for a little while. James Stewart's doing one. Daniel Blair does one. Who Swap Moto, you know, Trans World in the past. All these guys that do podcasts have their foot in the industry in some way, and had, and it's so much easier for them to get a connection, get a guest, get sponsors. I I was just a guy like most of the people listening that went to the races and ride dirt bikes when they can and grew up around it, and somehow it's like okay. I'm going to try this. And, and it really came from being inspired by listening to Pulp MX, but I went to the races and, you know, networked and met people and was, I guess my personality was enough where these people started to trust me to, oh, yeah, I'll give you my phone number. I'll come on the show. And the show got better and I worked really hard and I continued to be trustworthy. And when I do interviews, like I did with, with Dino a couple of weeks ago where he said something and he was like, Hey, please don't use that. No problem. Cut it out. I'm not going to use that. Why would I? I'm not going to burn that bridge. I'm not going to, you know, do something like that. So these riders, these teams realize they can trust me. I built that over a number of years with help from people like Steve, but I had to do the work. It was not easy. It was not handed to me. So I think anybody that says anything like that about me, and this is way off the Pulp Mix topic at this point. But anybody that says that does not know what I've done or what I've tried to do. And I have a long, long way to go, but I, I am very, very appreciative of what I have. And most of the listeners at this point, I'm very surprised at how many people have my back. I could not count how many messages I've got since Sunday night from listeners of Pulp or listeners of our show or et cetera, Vital, that are like, wow, congratulations, really proud of you. You worked hard. So I know it's being seen and I appreciate everybody that listens that has those feelings. And if... If you are have a negative feeling towards me doing this, I mean that's you're right. But I, I hate that. I, I hopefully I can change your opinion over time. Let's move on because we were like again we're late. I got a few more things. I was going to talk about life swap. We're going to move on from that. Um, I do want to give them shit about their technical difficulties because we just talked about the TV package. Steve Mathis Sunday night computer froze on Mark's YouTube went down in the middle of the show. Janky, janky, got to fix that shit, Steve. Get your guys in, in check. When I called in after that, there's no, you can't hear the audio in the background, which normally you can, so you can still hear what's going on. That was down. There's phone issues. I don't know what's going on, RJ, but Steve's got to get his shit together or he's going to be clipped. Yeah, that's unacceptable. Thank you. We can't have that. <laughs> We cannot have He's on that. the Mad Not TV deal man. now, so yeah, it comes with it. Yeah, that, that's yeah. part of the that's part of the package. <laughs> he signed up for it. <laughs> we don't have to tell them that we had some technical difficulties tonight because it's not live, and I'll cut that shit out, and they'll never know. 
<laughs> yep, we're going to be perfect. <laughs> yeah. All right, a couple more things. Kiefer After Dark, I want to touch on this stuff real, real quick. Grill your ass off. Not a sponsor of the wrap-up show, but hey, our sponsor of the Moto X-Pod show. We do have a code if you want it. So, <laughs> grill your ass off. Code or Sponsor of the Kiefer After Dark segment. Yar Yar and Heather in studio. A couple things that Chris said. Just want to get your thoughts, if you're comfortable with them. Uh, and he said this before. He wants to know what it feels like to have a dick inside of him. He wants to have a vagina. I don't know how I feel about this, Vin. I'm out. Thank you. I'm out. I'm comfortable. I am too. I'm not comfortable with those statements. How about you there, RJ? <laughs> have you ever wanted to know Dude, what it feels I, like to have a dick inside I, you? Well, I've never. No, I mean, I've never thought of it that way. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I. Oh, sure. Why not? Okay, oh, I know it's weird, dude. I've never thought of that. It's I have weird. wondered. I, don't know. I have wondered what it feels like for a woman. I have not gone. I would like to know what it feels like to have a dick inside <laughs> of me or have a vagina. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. That. So the way you just put that, I'm with you on that. Um, <laughs> and I was just, I was so bummed because I was expecting uh, more after yes. dark. It, it was weak. Like I, I'm, I'm gonna have to let Keeper know it was just a week after dark. Like it was too short. I think they need when, we Chris, more. when Chris is in and they're going to do a key for after dark, they need to shut the main show down at least in 45 minutes to a half hour early. I'd say an hour. So, cause it, it always gets so late and Chris has to drive back and they're like, yeah, let's just not do it. Well, you, you're going to have uh, to schedule that as part of the normal show. Cut out something. Yeah. Cause yes, it's, I, I agree. We need more key for after dark. Let's get some questions. We need some more questions. We yeah. need a little bit more info going on. I mean, we got Heather in there. Yar, yar. Like let's, let's bounce some ideas around, you know, let's, Agreed. let's talk. I, I like that subject. That's one of my favorite subjects to talk about. So. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Talon and Yar, yar living together. That was big news or Tater. We'll call him Tater now. Tater tot. Uh, <laughs> tater. I think it, I think the, the tweet at Tater needs to be the new segment, not tweet at Talon. Cause you know, he fucking busts on us. So we're going to give it back. Tater from now on it's producer Tater happy for him though. It seems like they're really happy. I love that stuff. Yar Yar seems pretty cool. Good for them. Last topic. The, at the end of that segment, we find out that Heather wanted to use a strap on on Chris and then Chris was out. Thank God <laughs> like that. That's I didn't need to picture that. I don't know. <laughs> That's where my line is for sure. Like no strap-ons, not for woman on dude or dude on dude or et cetera, et cetera. No, no strap-ons. Sorry, I'm out. Unless it's woman on woman. Okay. But woman on dude, I'm out. So far out. Yeah, I'm out. Okay, good. Not yeah, even, I'm out. I don't even want to imagine. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> there's a number of no, things. I'm out, I'm yeah, out. yeah. There's a lot of other things I was hoping to get to. This might be one of the longer wrap-up shows. So I want to thank all the sponsors. I want to thank motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers. I love to give a shout out to all the other sponsors, such as R Jerky, Grill Your Ass Off, Fly Racing, X Brand Goggles, Race Tech. There's tons and tons of Pulpamex sponsors. All you got to do, Manscaped, all you got to do is go to pulpamexshow.com. Most of the sponsors are located right there. There's, a, there's tabs for each one. You click on them, there's links, there's discount codes. Use those sponsors, support those sponsors so they continue to be a part of all these shows so we can keep having them. Uh, go to go to com. I do not have my code right in front of me or I would give it to you guys, but there's codes. Hit me up on Instagram if you want our code. 
if you're sitting at home watching outdoor nationals every Saturday, you need to have three or four packages of these of eat our jerky, our jerky.com support the Wadesman brothers rolls and go into races and have some of the best jerky you've ever had. It is my snack of choice during the races. I love, I used to love the sizzling hot RJ and it's still probably my favorite, but it is the hottest jerky I have ever had. And I can't eat a lot of it because it is, I love hot stuff, but that stuff is unreal hot. Yes. Yes, it is. It is very warm, great, (laughs) delicious flavor. All of our flavors are incredible. I just had a bag of Western before this show. Tied me over before dinner. Um, EatOurJerky.com. You you just cannot go wrong. Get yourself a new t-shirt. Get yourself some new crew socks. Uh, We got it going on. Subscribe to our website. Get jerky shipped straight to your doorstep once a month. It's the best program out there. Like you said, every Saturday, you should have a bag of our jerky in your hand. Yeah, what's what's the sweet and spicy one? It's not sweet and spicy, but it's what is Correct. Is that what it, it is? It is sweet and spicy. Okay, it is sweet yeah. and spicy. So typically, yep. before I discovered your jerky, we have a truck stop thing in Texas called Bucky's that has very, very good fresh jerky, and they have a sweet and spicy, and I did not like it. Way too sweet, not spicy enough. Yours has now, be, that one has become my favorite over all the others. I love that one. It is just a little bit spicy, just a little bit sweet, and it is it is my favorite of all of them. The The Seven Deuce Deuce black pepper beef brisket being the second, but it's all on point, and I do, okay, don't tell Steve, promo code MOTOXPOD21 to save if you want to get you some, and you guys can't go wrong, dude. It's a good gift. It's a good snack during the race. It's a good snack. Dude, I eat a package almost every night while listen to Pulp, too, on Monday nights. I just, I'm actually out. I'm going to place an order later tonight. That was probably too long of a commercial for our jerky, but it's that good. Going back to my original point, though, support the sponsors of Pulp MX. It's very important. Other than that, RJ, anything that I missed that you'd like to touch on with this episode before we wrap it up? No, I think that was awesome. Uh, I feel like we covered... Uh, pretty much the important stuff, what went on on uh, on Sunday night. And, uh, yeah, it was awesome to chat with you guys and go over it all. Vin, Vin, anything that I missed that was like that stood out that you wanted me to touch on? No, just cool. the, the point in the show where I laughed, laughed my hardest was quickly um, JT going over the, the Pulp MX fantasy emails. And he's when he just said, yeah, the one guy just um, – subject lined in you fucked me <laughs> yes that like, was. i was i was i was cackling in my chair boy that was <laughs> it's so funny but oh fantasy what a game yeah it's it's a lot of fun and it's a lot of misery i have had the worst year ever at it so i'm guaranteed to have somebody not in the race and have somebody crash and not finish the race pretty much every week guys this is the pulp mix wrap-up show Darkside at pulpmix.com if you have questions, comments, critique. There's not that many of these episodes left, probably another six months of them. So let's uh, let's knock these out of the park and see what Steve does next with it. Other than that, I'm Darkside. Thanks to RJ and Vin. We're out. That's a wrap. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show?
情。